Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11 verse 1 and uh, I want to read through to verse 13. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and then some teaching that Jesus has on prayer and um, we're going to find out some new things today about prayer that I believe is going to profoundly shape and impact your life this year. Luke 11 verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything." I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, it's an old-fashioned word, impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, not just the pastors, not just like really holy people, Pastors and holy people don't necessarily go together. But for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one, excuse me, who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? The parallel passage in Matthew chapter 7 says, Give good things to those who ask Him. I want to speak to you today on the subject how to pray and get results. How to pray and get results. Now, for those of you who have amazing, outstanding prayer lives, and we should come and sit at your feet today and listen to what it is that you have to tell us about prayer. I want to encourage you not to switch off and go, I've read it, I've heard it, I do it, this is second nature to me. I want to encourage you to open up your heart and hear with new ears today. For those of you who haven't prayed in a while and you're struggling in prayer and prayer is a frustration to you or you feel distant from God, disconnected from God, this message isn't meant to condemn you into a place of uh, belittling you so that you'll actually do something about your prayer life. I want to encourage you to open up your heart, open your ears and hear the word of the Lord fresh today. For those of you who prayer is on again, off again, and sometimes you're, you're, you're white hot and other times it's not so good and it's quite cool and, and icy, then I want to say to you today, don't, be, uh, don't disconnect from the uh, relentless journey of committing yourself to a life of prayer. Hear this word with fresh ears today. Because if there is anything that is going to impact your life more in 2018, uh, it's going to be prayer. And we cannot have a year of by His Spirit 
if we first of all don't understand what the plug-in is to buy his spirit. Albert Einstein was once asked by a PhD student, what is there left to study? And Albert Einstein responded, study prayer. We have not discovered all there is to know about prayer. We do not yet know what the full potential of prayer is. You see, the New Testament reveals that prayer is the chief responsibility of the believer. And yet for many of us, prayer has in fact become a a great frustration in our lives because of all sorts of reasons. Because I travel a lot in my ministry, I'm often asked, what are the patterns that you're seeing across the church, uh, be it Australia or overseas? What are you seeing? What are you observing? And whilst there are lots of positive things, I would say to you that the number one pattern that I observe amongst the Western church is in fact prayerlessness. We are a prayerless culture. We are a, by and large, prayerless church. And prayerlessness is always linked to powerlessness. If you think about Mark chapter 9, you'll discover that uh, Jesus' disciples are confronted with a father and a son. This son is tormented by demons. And the father brings the son to the disciples and is asking for ministry and help. The disciples are not able to cast the demon out of the boy. And Jesus comes along and he's frustrated and says, Oh, ye of little faith. He sets the boy free. And then the disciples come alongside Jesus and say, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus responded, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In other words, Jesus was suddenly rebuking the disciples for a powerless Uh, spirituality that was linked to prayerlessness. You see, in the same way, when we confront blockages in our lives, real issues in our relationships, in our finances, in our health, and in many other areas of life, it's often due to prayerlessness in our lives, or it's due to a lack of understanding the conditions for answered prayer. If you want to know what the conditions for answer prayer are, there are several. One of those conditions is faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Another one of those conditions is abiding in Christ. John 15.7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Faith, abiding in Christ. Thirdly, the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, when when you pray in the name of Jesus, it isn't meant to be something that that is just tacked on to the end of our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. And therefore, we've prayed in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And he's not just saying that you tack his name onto the end of a prayer. He's saying, as a believer, you have access, you have special privilege to the name of Jesus, that at that name, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. At that name, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus when it's understood, when it's accessed by faith, and when there is a lifestyle of abiding in the person of Jesus Christ, our prayers become powerful. Another condition for answered prayer is, is it in harmony and in line with God's will? 
This was one of the issues for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there are some times where there is a delay of answers to prayer because God is purifying our prayer. He's purifying our hearts. He's purifying our motives to help us come into alignment with his will. There are different conditions for answered prayer, but this I know, God wants to answer your prayers. Organization and administration in your life and in the life of the church do not bring breakthrough. You cannot administrate a move of God. The only thing that moves the hand of God in your life is faith-filled, relentless, persistent, consistent prayer. Prayer is what we are called to. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And if we get away from this fundamental spiritual habit, privilege, blessing, uh, and opportunity and discipline, then we are missing one of the fundamental aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The church in Australia does not need more organizing. It needs more agonizing in prayer. We've got to stop just simply organizing the deck chairs on the Titanic and hoping that if it looks different, that the ship won't go down. Let me tell you something. In Western nations right now, whilst God's heart is for the church to move forward, we are either at a stalemate or we're going backwards. The only way to change the trajectory of the Western church is the people of God to come back to the priority and primacy of prayer in our lives. Samuel Chadwick once said, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning, but you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. Is Jesus popular in your life? Is Jesus popular in this house? If he is, prayer will become a greater priority. The challenge to all of us living in this present day is that we have a problem with prayer in Western culture. And the reason is, is because Western culture is dominated by logic. Western culture is dominated by reason and self-effort. In contrast to Western culture, Jesus says in John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And from John chapter 14 to John chapter 17, six times, Jesus says, if you ask me, I will do. God's job is to do, our job is to ask. What we do is we say our job is to do and we forget God. In the process, God is waiting to move on your behalf. You see, divine action is conditional upon us asking God to intervene in the affairs of our lives. And mysteriously, the New Testament reveals that if we don't ask, he won't move. Why is that? It's because God wants to have a partnership with his creation to establish his divine purposes on planet earth. The kingdom of God is not a dictatorship. The kingdom of God, yes, is a theocracy, but the kingdom of God is a covenant partnership with the citizens within it, which are the believers in Jesus Christ. God will not necessarily just, whilst he is sovereign, and we acknowledge that before, he is in control. He often limits himself to our 
partnership with him in prayer in our lives. If you haven't seen God move more in your life, maybe it's because there is, an, there is a lack of prayer in your life. But when you begin to pray and commit yourself to that posture of prayer spiritually as a priority in your life, watch God move in your life. You see, in World War II, King George called Britain to a national day of prayer and fasting as Hitler's uh, armies and soldiers were only days away from invading Britain. And the history books records that on the day that all of Britain turned out to the local churches, churches were, were packed with people seeking God, praying for the welfare of the nation. The, the history books tell us that Hitler had scheduled to invade Britain on that particular day and for no apparent reason, he delayed it three days. Inclement weather came in and for three days, Hitler's soldiers, Hitler's machinery and weaponry were standing idle, infuriating his generals. They could not understand what, what Hitler was thinking, but he put everything to a stop and those three days allowed the miracle of Dunkirk to happen where soldiers in their thousands were rescued on boats and everyone started to call Dunkirk as a modern day miracle. How did it happen? It happened in conjunction with a national day of prayer and fasting where people were seeking God in prayer. You see, prayer is the nuclear bomb of breakthrough. But if we are going to see a breakthrough in our lives, then we have got to understand that prayer is a challenge to our pride and self-dependence. You see, to pray is to acknowledge we don't have all the answers. We can't work this thing out. And what does man pride itself on? We pride ourselves on being in control, of having to have the answers, of having to be the source of our own salvation. And we simply aren't. Dependency is at the core of biblical prayer. Only someone who recognizes their dependence upon God will take the time to actually pray. And to the degree that we realize how much trouble we're actually in, externally from the world at large, internally from our flesh, and infernally from Satan himself, will be the degree to which we actually seek God in prayer in 2018 more than any other year of our lives. Quite shockingly, I discovered Jesus never taught his followers to pray for the salvation of lost souls. Just let that sink in for a moment. I'm not saying that the salvation of lost souls wasn't the priority or a priority on God's heart. Oh no, he came to seek and save the lost. But I discovered that even in Jesus' famous high priestly prayer, John 17, 9, Jesus said, I pray not for the world. Apparently, Jesus ignored his email inbox when the, the acronym came through, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, acts. Many of us who've hung around church for a while have been taught this. And he ignored buttering the father up before he asked him for what he really wanted. And he just went straight to praying for himself in the high priestly prayer. Next, he prayed for the disciples and thirdly, he prayed for the church, us, in the present age. 
Jesus' high priestly prayer, you can read it in a couple of minutes, which tells me that duration doesn't make God listen to you more. There's got to be something more than just duration. There's got to be something about what happens in that moment of prayer that grabs God's attention. You see, the chief obstacle to evangelism isn't the indifference of the harvest. It's the spiritual indifference of the harvesters. Even the Apostle Paul, if you study the Apostle Paul, he did not pray primarily for the lost. He prayed primarily for believers. Because the Apostle Paul and and Jesus understood that every great revival in history begins with the people of God. It does not begin. There's nothing wrong with the harvest today. That's why Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. The issue is with the harvesters. And where prayer becomes a priority for the harvesters, all of a sudden evangelism takes care of itself. Evangelism becomes the inevitable result of a heart on fire with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, that phrase, send out laborers in Luke 10 too, it actually means believers would be decisively pushed out, in the Greek, even if it's violently pushed out, into the fields that are ripe for harvest. <clears throat> you know, the book of Acts attests to this. Um, you could summarize the book of Acts by saying, the Savior went up, the Spirit came down, the saints went out, And the sinners came in. The Savior went up. The Spirit came down. The saints went out. The sinners came in. Now we cannot get upset that the sinners aren't coming in to the house of God if we first haven't prayed the Spirit down. No point saying, Pastor, why aren't there more people getting saved? Or why why aren't we seeing more evangelism happen? Or why isn't the church growing? Even though it is, clearly, we cannot get frustrated at that if we aren't first praying the Spirit down into our workplaces, into our own lives, into our families, into the life of the church. There is a process that we've got to understand when it comes to answered prayer. You see, if we are spiritually weak, evangelism will always be a frustrating blockage. It'll be something that we are intimidated by. And if there's anything that the enemy is out to do in our current culture in Melbourne, Australia, it's to intimidate the church into silence. It's to intimidate believers into a life of silent, quiet desperation where we practice our faith in private, but we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want to be seen to be and labeled to be that person in the workplace. And we don't want, and neither do we need to be uh, unwise and silly and simply just, you know, make a big song and dance about our values or our faith. But I'm telling you, when you assume the posture spiritually of prayer in your life and you pursue it as a priority, you, your witness takes care of itself. 
Your words take on new meaning and power. There is a new authority to how you live your life. And people start to notice. People pay attention. And as you engage in the context of relationship and friendship with people, all of a sudden the power of your prayer begins to translate into fruitful, effective evangelism. So how do we remedy prayerlessness? Do we read another book on prayer? Attend a conference? Find a mentor? Because that's generally my observation, the three things that Aussie believers do. We read a book, we attend a conference, and we find a mentor. And, and, and then after, you know, 21 days or a month, nothing much has changed. Have you discovered that? Well, I've got this really radical idea. Let's just look to Jesus. I mean, I hate to, I dare to be crazy today. But let's just look to Jesus. Because the Son of God is the perfect example of what a powerful prayer life looks like. And over recent days, I've been studying the prayer life of Jesus. I've scoured all four Gospels, taken reams of notes, and discovered some amazing things about Jesus' prayer life that runs actually contrary to many of the things we read in prayer books. Make sure you still buy my books, but I'm just saying. And I discovered this about Jesus' prayer life. Do you know that the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to do was to pray? They didn't ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to preach. Teach us how to take up an offering at church. Teach us how to heal the sick. They didn't ask to teach Jesus to teach them Greek and, and Hebrew. They asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Do you know a survey of 21 Bible colleges reveals that not one of them had one unit or subject devoted to helping students understand, develop and grow their prayer lives? We will teach Bible college students Greek, Hebrew, how to organize a sermon, how to organize a board, our health and safety, safer churches. We'll do all sorts of things, but we actually won't teach them the one fundamental thing that actually moves the kingdom of God more than anything else on planet earth. And so when Jesus asks, is asked by the disciples, teach us to pray, Jesus responds with Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. It is the largest single body of teaching in Jesus' ministry on prayer that there is. And I don't know about you, but we should probably take note of it. There are three elements to this. The first element is the Lord's Prayer. It's interesting in this that Jesus' uh, uh, prayer teaching centers on petition, not adoration, confession, or thanksgiving, as many of us have been told. The reason is, is because for Jesus, the crux of prayer is petition. More than any other theme in all of his prayer life. In fact, it was often crises that prompted Jesus' petitions more than anything else in the Gospels. We discover when Jesus, before Jesus wanted to select the disciples, the Bible says he spent a whole night in prayer. If you were going to select a group of people to form the leadership community of the church of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, 
I don't know about you, but there would be a crisis point where you'd be like, God, I better get this right. Father, I hope I make the right choice. And Jesus' humanity, his deity doesn't need, didn't need to pray, but his humanity, he was fully and properly God, but he was also fully and properly man. And his humanity spent a whole night in prayer. His supplication for the Father's will on who to choose moved to intercession for those 12 disciples. And then you move to the Garden of Gethsemane, obviously there's a crisis. When your sweat is like drops of blood, that's an emergency. Things aren't going so well. And so for Jesus, his prayer is in this place of petition and crises. Also after the feeding of the 5,000, when the 5,000 wanted him to become their king because Jesus was providing for them, Jesus went up, if you remember, to the mountain and prayed all night before he did his thriller walk across the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus is on the mountain and he's seeking the Father. Why? Because Jesus did not want to be made king without going through the Father's will of suffering through the cross in order to uh, uh, achieve some sort of earthly or human way of achieving the kingdom. Not only that, but when he's at Lazarus's grave, again, another crisis, the Bible says he weeps and he prays. Not only that, but with the apostle Peter, when Peter, when he said to Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, Peter, but I have prayed that your faith may not fail. Most of Jesus' prayer life was prompted by crises. And that crisis was only met after consultation with the Father. How many of us, our first resort is prayer? I would argue that for a lot of us, our first resort is phone call, Google. Some of us Google more than we got. And we Google and we bank account and we call the boss and we call a friend, phone a friend and we, we do all these things. And so many of us like Peter only cry out to Jesus when we're drowning in an ocean of problems. When we're sinking, we're like, oh, prayer, that's right. I'm a bit believer in Jesus. Okay, I better start praying. And, and, and yet for Jesus, his first resort, his first default response to life was prayer. It's how he lived, it's how he breathed, it's how he did what he did. Prayer cannot become a panic button in our lives that we push when the proverbial hits the fan. Prayer is your supply line to the front lines of life. And if there's no supply line, you have no spiritual resource to combat the, the, the principalities and powers of darkness. As Ephesians 6.12 tells us, we don't wrestle against other people. Our wrestle isn't political. Our wrestle isn't against our siblings or our loved ones. Our wrestle isn't against our bosses who are out to get us. Our wrestle isn't against some agenda in our culture. Our wrestle is against the principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realm. You cannot fight a spiritual battle with natural weapons. 
Logic, reason, self-effort will only take you so far. And yet many of us will try in our own effort, and our own strength. And yes, God has given us brains. He has given us initiative and he wants us to use them. But I'm finding in our culture, many of us are so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly use. It's not the other way around anymore. It's we are so dominated by our flesh and by the natural and by our culture that we don't know how to wage war in the heavenly realm. We don't know how to fight with our spiritual weapons. You see, like Jesus, prayer must become the air we breathe. Jesus prayed in isolation, solitude. He prayed in public. Jesus prayed in the morning and he prayed all night. Jesus prayed blessing over food and Jesus prayed around kids. Jesus prayed anywhere, everywhere, all the time. There is no formula for prayer. The early morning hours aren't therefore more holy than the late night hours. Praying all night is not more holy. You're just more tired, all right, than than anything else. It isn't about what day, uh, part of the day you pray, or it isn't about even how long you pray, although we see Jesus spent extended times in prayer and it would do you good to pray longer than an hour every now and then. The issue is, is when Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, is he saying that we assume the lotus position and sort of, you know, hum 24 hours in a closet and suck yogurt every now and then and, and sort of, you know, uh, empty our minds of all the distractions? Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying prayer should become, prayer should become, Greek yogurt's very nice. Prayer should become, a running conversation in our lives. I call them prayer pit stops. It's not a panic stop, it's a pit stop. There's a difference. Pit stop is, God, uh, thank you for this amazing day. I, I need your strength right now as I go into this meeting. God, uh, thank you for your goodness in my life. Uh, I've just heard some news about a friend. Lord, I pray for them right now. This constant running conversation. And it's not conversation just for the sake of intimacy. That's good. By and large, the emphasis in Jesus' ministry, that's why he got answers, was petition. If you don't ask him for something, nothing happens. We think just because I'm a believer, something great is going to happen. Well, if you don't access the privilege of being a believer through faith and prayer, nothing will happen. It all comes back to this action of prayer. Prayer must move from being a cute little devotional thought that we have with Chuck Swindle once a day. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who he is, he's a great man of God. But let me tell you, if you're relying upon some other source rather than the power and potency and purity of the Word of God in your life, and you're not applying a petitionary lifestyle of prayer to this, nothing changes. Yeah, just have a nice cute thoughts in your head that are like, you know, scaffolding on a building, but there's no substance, there's no no walls, there's no, no furniture in there, there's nothing going on, it's just a scaffolding. 
You see, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus responded by teaching that prayer is an act of specific and persistent petition that we expect to be answered. First of all, prayer is specific. Prayer is not vague generalizations. God bless me. God help me. I don't know what else to pray. God bless me. God help me. God bless them. God help them. No, prayer is specific. Hebrews 11.1 says faith is the substance of things. Things, hope for. What are the things that you are believing God for in 2018? What are the things that you are asking God for for your family? What's the specific thing that you want to see happen in your workplace? If you don't ask a specific request, you won't get a specific answer. When it comes to finances, I would encourage you to pray for a specific outcome. It could be to buy a house. It could be to have a $10,000 increase in your salary. It could be to to see more in your super. Don't just pray, God bless me financially. God say, say, God, my faith is going to work in partnership with you this year around this thing. It doesn't have to be finances. It could be your health. It could be your marriage could be communication. What is the specific thing? Not only that, but prayer is persistent. Successful prayer involves a relentless, persistent asking over a long period of time. And sometimes we don't get answers to our prayers simply because we stop asking. But persistence is what Jesus taught us. And the parable that he uses in this passage is of a a, a man that's in his house and a friend comes late at night and wants to uh, uh, stay there the night, but needs some food, needs some uh, drink or water, whatever it may be. And in Jewish culture, not to have something to give to your guest is a big no-no. Even to this day, if, if a friend or a neighbor turns up at your house and you don't have something to offer them, it's seen as a real negative in Jewish culture. And so Jesus is using something that's relevant to the culture at that time. This man doesn't have anything in his house. So he goes over to his neighbor's house, knocks on the door at midnight, relentlessly, persistently. And the Bible says that although the man, it's in the middle of the night, his kids are in bed, he doesn't want to get up, he will get up because of impudence, which means persistent asking. Relentless, persistent asking. I don't know about you, but any parent in this room knows kids just have a talent, an anointing to persistently ask for things. You know, with my boys, it began with, you know, PS4, PlayStation 4. Dad, we need a PlayStation 4. That went on for like, I don't know, two years. And then, and I, I, I'm like, I'm holding out on this thing, right? And then it moved to Xbox One. Ex- Dad, we need an, our house would look better with an Xbox One. Dad, we need an Xbox One. Uh, finally, I said, son, I'm going to turn you into an Xbox One in a minute if you keep asking me that. But what happens? We now have an Xbox One. Why? Because the, our kids are just masters at wearing their parents down and pursuing Consistently asking for something they want. And what do we do? We give it to them stupidly in the end. And now they're always on it. Now we have fights over how long they're on it. And, and, you, and I'm the idiot who bought it for them. And so you read verse 13 of Jesus teaching on prayer. And he says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids. 
how much more will our heavenly Father give good things, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him specifically, persistently. See, nothing great will be accomplished in our lives apart from persistent, specific prayer. Not only that, but prayer is a petition. Interestingly, the Lord's Prayer, we often recite it at verbatim, which is not a bad thing. I, I, I do like it when we do that sometimes. But do you know that the Lord's Prayer was never intended to be recited verbatim? It was not included in Christian liturgy for the first 200 years of the church. It only started to become a part of of, of the liturgy and the worship and the corporate life of the church after that time because the Lord's Prayer is simply a lesson on how to ask Father for things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? That's not worship. It's asking God to do something, a petition. Make your name set apart in the earth above all other names. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's program. That's God's will. That's God's agenda. Give us this day our daily bread, personal petition. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then often there's the finish, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There are six petitions. The first three form petitions around God's agenda, God's kingdom, God's program for planet earth. The last three petitions are of a spiritual and material nature about us. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to ask me. Ask me for things. You see, the great emphasis of Jesus' prayer life was for his spiritual needs to be met so he could fulfill his assignment on planet Earth. And then lastly, prayer is something that we expect to be answered. Do you know, prayer isn't conquering God's reluctance, trying to change God's mind. Prayer is laying hold of his willingness to actually bless you, to actually bring you into a place where you are ruling and reigning with him, seated in heavenly places with him, no matter what the circumstance may dictate to you, your spirit can rule and reign. Ruling and reigning is not determined by circumstances. It's determined by the posture of your heart. You see, Satan wants to paralyze our faith this year because of unanswered prayer. And for some of us in this room today, we've struggled with prayer because we prayed, didn't see an answer. Our hearts were broken. We were believing, expecting something. It didn't happen. But I want to tell you today, the devil is a liar. If you have put down your prayer life in 2017 or maybe for years, I want to encourage you. I challenge you. I double dare you to pick it back up again. If you're living a life of quiet desperation and you've been silenced into a corner of your spiritual life and you're carrying away there in a cave and there's nothing moving, I want to encourage you today, lift up your voice and cry out to God. The Bible says in Psalm 118, 
Verse 5, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and he set me free. Do you know, I discovered something amazing in the Gospels that every time it records that the Father spoke, it was only when Jesus was in prayer. The only times. If you want to hear God's voice more, just cry out to him more. He did not even speak to his son as far as recorded, apart from his prayer time. Now, I'm sure words of knowledge and all sorts of things. But he, he, that we, we only get a, a, a snapshot, a glimpse of the father's voice when Jesus is in a prayerful state. How much more we as his followers. I want to challenge you this year to try biblical prayer as Jesus modeled it for one month and see what God does in your life. I want to encourage you to relentlessly cry out to God on specific and urgent matters and keep a record of the answers to prayer. Just write down, I'm specifically praying for this. And, and don't put an end date on it because sometimes we, we put end dates on things God doesn't have an end date. It's frustrating, I know, but... But just say, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to storm the heavenlies every single day. I'm going to pick my prayer life up again. I'm going to bring the urgent crises and petitions of my heart and my life to you every day. Whether I'm in the car, whether I'm in bed, whether I'm on my knees, whether I'm walking down the road. And I'm going to record in my journal or on my phone. And I'm going to believe for a testimony in 2018. Nothing. No, I was thinking about, God, what do I preach this first month of 2018 to activate? And I just came back to nothing. There is nothing that will impact your life more in 2018 than to take prayer seriously. I could teach you how to have a better marriage. I could teach you how to raise your kids. I could teach you how to, you know, be a good steward of your finance. All these things are all good. But you start praying, two things will happen. You'll upset the enemy, but you'll win in victory. I'm telling you, I've seen, there's so many stories I could go through. And, and finally, just I want to leave you with A.W. Tozer's great wisdom on prayer. He said, the secret to prayer is to pray. <laughs> the secret to prayer is to pray. Don't read another book, except mine. Don't, don't go to another conference or masterclass, except mine. Don't, don't, you don't even need a mentor for this. Jesus is your mentor. Turn up to the prayer meeting. What if you made it every Monday night this year, prayer is a priority. Turn up to the prayer meeting. Turn up to the small group. And don't just talk and talk about how bad the world is and, and oh, it's getting really bad. Pray about it. Pray for each other. If you pray, God will do. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? 
trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.